0: Well, grace and mercy and peace be with all of you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Happy Mother's Day to all of you who have that special blessing, that special gift from God uh, to be able to be mothers. And all of you who are children, you have mothers, and so uh, we give God thanks for that wonderful gift of those women who brought us into this world. Being a parent, whether it's a mother or a father, is truly a wonderful gift from God. But when you first have a child, and that child is small, like William, (laughs) or when you're in the thick of raising young children, there is a reality that we as parents oftentimes neglect to pay attention to. And it's this simple reality that one day these children that we are raising will be sent out into the world. They will no longer be in our homes, under our roofs, likely. <laughs> they will be sent out into the world. My wife and I, were at a stage of life with our four young children where uh, this reality is, is one that we oftentimes don't think about too much. Sometimes we try to suppress its reality. But each year that goes on, the closer we get to that reality, we we recognize, yeah, at one point in the future, these children will be sent out into the world. So those of you who are currently raising children or who have raised children and sent them out into the world, or frankly, even every one of you that's here who has been sent out into the world, how was it that you are... How was it that you were prepared to be sent out into the world? And how, as parents, are you preparing your children to be sent out into the world? What is your deepest desire for those children? What is the thing that you want to see happen in their lives and through their lives? I pray that it is more than simply sending them out into the world to become wealthy and successful and happy according to worldly standards. Would we want all those things for our children? Sure. But is that your deepest desire? I hope that there's more to it than that. I pray that your deepest desire and the way that you raise your children would be such that you would send them out into this world with the name of Jesus on them and in them and through them that in everything they would know of the love of Jesus, that in everything they would cling to the life and the forgiveness they have in Jesus, and that through them the name of Jesus would be carried to people and places that have never heard the name of Jesus before. I hope that that's your desire for your children. This morning, just a few minutes ago, Here at St. Peter and Paul, we had the privilege of witnessing the baptism of William Jude Bender, Pastor Kevin and Molly's son. And here in this baptism, God did something very special in William's life. He placed his name upon him. Just as Jesus commanded in saying, baptize in my name, in the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, that name was placed upon William. In this baptism, he was welcomed into this new family of God, into this family of God where the name of Jesus Christ is our name. Yes, we all have our family names, but now we have this family name of Jesus And so in baptism, that name is given to William. In baptism, that name is given to you for your sake, that you would know of his love, that you would know of his forgiveness, that you would know of your place in the family, but also for the sake of the world, that you would carry his name into this world wherever you go. In the story today, as we've been reading through the Bible chronologically for the last 29 weeks, we're in chapter 29 today. And chapter 29 of the story is essentially almost all of the New Testament. Uh, If you read it at home, it's the longest chapter, I think, in the story. And it covers primarily the work of the Apostle Paul and the other apostles as they went about doing their missionary work in the Mediterranean region starting churches all over the place. The Apostle Paul was the world's greatest missionary, starting these churches all throughout uh, modern-day Turkey and Greece and Italy. But before he did any of that, Paul had a really different kind of life. I want to take you back to the beginning of Paul's story as we know it. Paul formerly had a different name, and his name was Saul. When he was Saul, he was a devout Pharisee, a Jewish man, and he was doing everything that he could to extinguish and eliminate the name of Jesus Christ. He did not want the name of Jesus Christ to be spoken, he did not want the name of Jesus Christ to be heard, he did not want the name of Jesus Christ to be worshipped. He wanted to silence, eliminate, eradicate, erase the name of Jesus from world history. And so he went house to house, dragging Christians out of their homes, sentencing them to executions. Actually, the very first Christian martyr, one who died for his faith that we have recorded in the Bible, was a man named Stephen. It's in the book of Acts, chapter 7, where Stephen was testifying to Jesus Christ, and people picked up rocks, and they threw them at Stephen until he was dead. And the Bible says that a man named Saul was there giving approval to this execution. That is this man who was an executioner of Christian people that God called out to and God changed his life. You can read about the conversion of Saul in Acts chapter 9. There's a lot to it, but essentially what happened was this. The resurrected Jesus miraculously showed up to Saul, and he struck him blind, and he told him that he has a new mission from God, not a mission to eradicate the church, but a mission to build the church, not a mission to eliminate the name of Jesus, but a mission to share and carry the name of Jesus all throughout the world. And while Saul was struck blind, God reached out to another man, another Christian by the name of Ananias. And God said to Ananias, Ananias, I want you to go to Saul and I want you to tell him that he's got a new mission. And Ananias, he's a Christian guy and he's like, this guy is dragging my friends off and killing them. You want me to go to him? No way. He was freaking out. But God said to Ananias, no, you got to go. And he sent them with this word, and Ananias went. But God said to Ananias this. He said, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and before kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. There are two key things here. Go and tell this man that he is going to be the one to carry my name. Carry my name to all of these people. Carry my name before kings, before Gentiles, before Israel, before the world. He's going to carry my name. Go tell him that. But also tell him that he's probably going to suffer a lot for the sake of my name as well. It's not going to be easy. He's going to carry my name and he will suffer for my name. If you read chapter 29, or if you've read the New Testament at all, you know that both of these things were true in Paul's life. Everywhere he went, every new city, every new place, he carried the name of Jesus. He was not bashful, he spoke the name of Jesus. And in doing so, he saw lives transformed, he saw people changed, he saw communities come to life in the name of Jesus because he carried the name of Jesus. But Paul also suffered greatly on behalf of the name of Jesus because as he went from city to city, there were people that were just like him in his former life. And as he tried to proclaim the name of Jesus, they did everything they could to get him to stop. So they imprisoned Paul multiple times. They beat him within inches of his life. They imprisoned him. They beat him. He was starved, he was poor. Paul had both of these realities going on. In carrying the name of Jesus, he saw life and salvation. But in carrying the name of Jesus, he also suffered along with Jesus. Paul had been on mission to exterminate the Christian church, to eliminate the name of Jesus. But once Jesus appeared to him and changed his life, his mission changed. And his mission now was to carry the name of Jesus and build the church. He was trying to eliminate the name of Jesus and destroy the church. Now he is to carry the name of Jesus and build the church. And all of these events in Paul's life, it's all recorded for us in the Bible. Now, some of you know this about the Bible, but some of you don't. I just want to briefly explain something to you. In the New Testament, so the second half of the Bible, everything that happened after Jesus, here's how... The New Testament is organized. The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell of the life of Jesus, his death and resurrection. The next book in the New Testament, then, is the book of Acts. Now, Acts, the full name of it is called Acts of the Apostles, and Acts is kind of the history book of the early church. So it details names and people and places and stories and events, all of these things that were happening as the Christian church was starting. That's the book of Acts. The rest of the New Testament then are letters, or sometimes called epistles. Not apostles, but epistles, which means letter. (laughs) So these are letters that Paul and others wrote to people, to churches that they started. And they wrote these letters as a matter of correspondence, but also to respond to theological issues, to questions, to challenges they were facing. So Paul would go around to different cities, and you can read about all that in Acts, and then he would write letters to them after they left to deal with their issues. One of these churches that he started was a church in the city of Philippi. And therefore, the letter... That he wrote to them is the letter of Philippians. The church at Philippi was near and dear to Paul's heart. They loved him and they cared for him and they supported him greatly. They raised funds on behalf of his missionary journey so the name of Jesus could continue to spread and abound. And in this letter to the Philippians, we get the idea that the Philippian church must have reached out to Paul because they were concerned about him, because of all the hardships and suffering he was facing. So Paul responds to them and he says these words, Philippians 4, starting at verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. And you were indeed concerned for me, but you, you had no opportunity to do anything about it. But not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul learned throughout all of the ups and downs of life that the one thing needed is the name of Jesus and the strength that comes from knowing Jesus. Paul went from being a man who wanted to eliminate and eradicate the name of Jesus to being a man who only needed the name of Jesus. That's all he needed as his strength and as his song because the name of Jesus is life and salvation. He recognized this throughout all of his change in life. He recognized all he needed is Jesus. I've seen the same transformation happen in people. Some of you sitting in this room. At one time in a former life, you were opponents to the good news of Jesus. You didn't want to see the name of Jesus flourish. You mocked those people who knew the name of Jesus. And yet, through God's call upon your life, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus alone, your life was changed and transformed. And now you know, you know that the name of Jesus is all you need. Because in the name of Jesus is life and salvation. I pray that that is true for all of you, that every one of you, whatever your situation was, whatever your situation is, that you cling to the name of Jesus, who is your strength, that you can do all things in his name, who gives you strength. The name of Jesus, it is this name of Jesus that we have been commissioned to carry into this world. It wasn't just Paul who was given that mission to carry the name of Jesus, but to all of us, we have been given that mission. Our God has always been a missionary God. From the very beginning, even in the Old Testament, God was a missionary God. That means that He had a plan to save the world. And the way that he planned on saving the world was by sending his people and blessing his name through the sending of people. We read it in the Old Testament today from Genesis 12. God said to Abram, Abram, go, move, I'm sending you on my mission that I will bless you to be a blessing and through you all nations of the world will be blessed. God is a sending God, go. And God is a missionary God, go. Because I want to save people through my sending of you. We read about it in the gospel lesson as Jesus sent out the apostles. He said, go. Baptize in my name. Teach people what I've taught you and I'm with you always. Go. I'm sending you on mission to baptize and teach and make more disciples. God has always been a missionary God and ascending God. And all of us have that same mission. And it is simple. It's a simple mission. Carry the name of Jesus wherever you go. Carry the name of Jesus wherever you go because the name of Jesus is on you the name of jesus is in you and the name of jesus lives through you and we're reminded of this reality every time we gather together for worship every time every week that we gather together for worship we are reminded that the name of jesus is on us and in us and through us here's how maybe you don't know this what's the very first thing that we do in our worship services here it's called the invocation Right, You probably just zone it out after a while. Or some of you show up a little bit too late and you never hear it, but that's a side point. All right. um, we gather in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Why do we do that? You know, Why do we say those words? It is to place the name of Jesus upon you that you would know and that everybody would know that we're here for His name alone. And it is also to remind you of your baptism that as you enter this place from a world that is hostile and hard that has long suffering as you come in from the mission field that you would be reminded that you're a baptized child of God that when all else fails the name of Jesus is on you and you are loved through your baptism and at the end of this service before you go what do we speak you know We speak words that we call the benediction or the blessing. And these words were given a long time ago in the Old Testament. God said to Moses, Moses, I want you to tell your brother Aaron to speak these words over the people. Here's what he said. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. That last part we don't usually say on Sundays. You just hear and give you peace. But the purpose for speaking these words is that the name of God would be upon the people. So we begin our worship having the name of Jesus spoken into your heart and mind, and then we send you out into this world having the name of Jesus upon you so that you go out with his name in you and on you and through you. Just as your mom raised you up in order to send you out into this world, Jesus is raising you up as his people to send you out into this world with his name, carrying his name, Carry the name of Jesus. Imagine like you've got one of those sandwich boards on you at all times. Big piece of cardboard in the front and the back tied together with a string on your shoulders. On the front it says Jesus and on the back it says Jesus. And you carry the name of Jesus wherever you go. So that in you and through you people would know the name of Jesus. Carry the name of Jesus. Very practically where does this start? Some of you would ask. How do I do that? Where do I start? Start with one. Carry the name of Jesus to one person. Carry the name of Jesus to one person. Who is one person in your life that would need the name of Jesus spoken to them this day? Who needs the name of Jesus? Maybe it's a friend of yours who's going through a real rough time. Maybe they, maybe they already know the name of Jesus. That's fine maybe they just need the name of Jesus spoken into their life. Speak the name of Jesus. Maybe it's somebody who's asking difficult questions about life and is not a believer in Jesus, but they're, they're having all these deep wonderings and ponderings. Speak the name of Jesus. Carry the name of Jesus. Too many of us are too bashful with our lips. We're not willing to speak the name of Jesus because it's not ever on our lips. Pastor Kevin, you had the kids practice saying the name of Jesus. Well, guess what? You all get to do it. Say after me, Jesus. Jesus. Say, Jesus is my life. Jesus life. Jesus Jesus is my salvation. You can say it. Too often the name of Jesus gets stuck behind our teeth and we bite our lips. Just speak the name of Jesus. Carry the name of Jesus to one. Just to one. To one person. To one person. Who is it? Pray about it. Let that person be on your mind and carry the name of Jesus into their lives. Carry the name of Jesus. Carry the name of Jesus. Amen.